Welcome to City Harvest Sermon Podcast. We hope you'll be blessed by the preaching of the Word by Pastor Erwin McManus. Hello, this is Pastor Erwin McManus here at Mosaic in Los Angeles, California. And I want to say hello to all my friends at City Harvest in Singapore. And I am so honored to be invited by Pastors Kong Hee and Sung Ho to be with you on this particular Sunday. I still remember when I was there last July, we had an incredible time. I love Singapore, by the way. It's just the most beautiful place. The people are extraordinary. But it was fun being with City Harvest. We had great food. I still remember how on that, um, uh, in that particular gathering, there was this incredible dance piece. It was just so elegant and powerful and beautiful. Uh, the, the community and the warmth of every single person. Uh, I miss you guys and I wish I was with you live. And I'm looking forward to the day that we can all get back together. We're in the middle of a crazy time right now. And that's what I want to talk to you about. I want to talk to you about being stir crazy. It was just uh, about two weeks into the, the pandemic when we were isolated and quarantined. We we're not allowed to go out and, and we we're all at home. And, and I do have the great gift of having my wife Kim with me at home. And our, our son Aaron is just a couple of minutes away. Our daughter Mariah and her husband Jake are just a couple of minutes away. So we're able to see each other. <laughs> but one day my wife Kim, we were sitting in the chairs in the front yard and she said to me, honey, can you imagine how hard this would be for you? What this would be like for you if you didn't have me and the kids? And when she said that, I just sort of started looking up and daydreaming, imagining how peaceful it would be. And she looked at me, she goes, wait, what are you doing? I can hear your brain. And in that moment, she got a little upset at me, not for anything I said, but just what I was thinking. Because sometimes when you're going stir crazy, you kind of hate the people you love. And in fact, I even thought I should do sort of a seminar on how not to kill the people you love during times of quarantine and isolation. And, but I wanna take a few minutes and talk about being stir crazy because I think we're all experiencing being stir crazy. I was listening to the governor of New York uh, just a, 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 a few weeks into this crisis and he started talking about cabin fever, how people are already experiencing some emotional turmoil and, and the psychological effects of, of losing so much of our freedom. And there are a lot of things that can happen in times of cabin fever, in times where we feel like stir crazy. And I, and I just want to like challenge every single one of us. Then when we're starting to feel stir crazy, that we'd actually begin to move it toward being crazy good. Because in the scriptures, there's an interesting place where Paul actually talks about how, how, how he's in his right mind for others. But if it was only just because of his relationship to the Lord, you know, he would be out of his mind. And I started thinking about how so oftentimes when, when I feel really connected to God, I feel like I'm going crazy. I start dreaming and imagining. I, I start creating. I, I start living outside of the possible into the impossible. And, and in fact, it's almost as if you have to ground yourself back into, into reality for everyone else. And I'm convinced that that God wants to keep a little bit of the crazy inside of every one of us. He wants to keep that, that spark of, of genius, that spark of creativity, that spark of imagination and inventiveness inside of us all. And so I, 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 wanna, I wanna just sort of like prod you and push you into your most crazy self so that you'll step into a level of faith that will make you look like you're out of your mind. There is a couple of, 
declarations in the scriptures that I kind of want to build these moments on. One is in Psalm 37, 4, where it says, take the light in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. What an incredible promise that, that God would actually want to give us the desires of our hearts. So this is my beginning point. You know, everyone makes assumptions when they begin to speak. And my assumption is that God wants to give you the desires of your heart. That God is such a good and generous and loving and compassionate God that he created us not only for a relationship with himself, but that he actually finds pleasure when we live a life full of joy. So, so delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Now you might think to yourself, wait a minute, I've had a relationship with God for a long time. I've had a lot of desires. I've prayed and prayed and I never got those desires. But we need to realize that there's a relationship here in just this one declaration. Take delight in the Lord, delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart that you have to first delight yourself in God because when you begin to love God and, and connect to him in intimacy, that relationship begins to change your desires. Love has a beautiful way of shaping your passions. And so when you delight in God, when you fall in love with him, he begins to shape your desires. So if you start asking God for your desires before you let him shape your heart, you'll be asking for the wrong desires and God is not gonna give you things that you think you want, but once you had them, you would know you did not want them. But here's the beautiful thing, we wanna step into this. God wants to realign your life in such a way that he can give you the desires of your heart. In John 16, verses 22 through 24, Jesus tells us this. So with you, now is your time of grief but I will see you again and will rejoice and no one will take away your joy. In that day, you will no longer ask me anything. Very truly, I tell you, my father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Until now, you've not asked for anything in my name. Ask and you will receive and your joy will be complete. I want to embrace this promise from Jesus. It's almost the, the New Testament parallel of this Old Testament declaration. Delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. He says, I'm telling you, Jesus is saying, very truly, I'm telling you, you gotta trust me in this, that if you ask my father for whatever you ask in my name, you'll receive that your joy may be complete. But he says, but up to now, you've not asked anything in my name. Now, again, I've prayed for so many things in my life that I did not get. I've asked God for stuff that I did not receive. And it's because I, I keep getting the order wrong. A lot of times I bring what I want and I ask God for it. And rather than aligning my life with God's heart and as his heart shapes my heart, then my heart now has the desires that are his desires. And when I ask, they're in alignment with what God wants to do in me. But I don't want you to lose this though. I want you to go stir crazy, realizing that God created you to experience the fullness of his generosity. To, he created you, experience the fullness of his joy. And that the, the relationship God ultimately wants with us is that we're asking and receiving. We're asking and receiving. We're asking and receiving. And our joy is complete because we're in such an intimate communion with him that nothing is disconnected in our relationship. So what does it look like when we begin to live this life of fullness? this life where his joy is our strength. 
What does it look like when, when a person begins to live in, in this kind of intimacy with God where, where when they ask, they receive because what they've asked is what God has longed to give them. But what I found over my own journey is that there are certain characteristics of people who live this crazy good life, who live in this, this deep fullness that Jesus longs for us to know. You have to stay unique to begin with. Whole people refuse to conform to the expectations of others. As I've lived my life, I'm now past 60 and I'm moving my way up. And I can tell you this, that I get asked all the time, how would you live your life differently? What would you tell your 20 something year old self? What would you change in your life if you could start all over again? And my first answer is always this one. I would tell people, stop living a life of expectation and start living a life of intention. Stop living your life out of obligation for what other people expect of you and start living a life of intention for what God wants for you. When I look back over my life, the the, the moments that I regret, those seasons in my life that I wish I could have back over again, those years, that at times I felt were lost is because I was living my life as a life of obligation. And as what I've learned over this lifetime is that I need to stop living a life of obligation and start living a life of intention. And what you find is that people who live in the fullness that they're created to live in refuse to conform to the expectations of others. And if you could say that from the positive end, they stay unique. Do not sacrifice your God-given uniqueness to be accepted by people who will not accept you the way God designed you to be. Be who you are. Be who you're created to be. Step into the intention that God created you for and step into that with full confidence. In Romans chapter 12, verse two, it says this. Do not conform to the pattern of this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. I I think a lot of times people who do not understand how the relationship works with Jesus, they, they think that Christianity is about conforming. It's about standardization. It's it's about becoming the same. But I want you to realize that, that here actually, that God is saying the exact opposite. He's saying when we live our lives outside of him, when we live our lives outside of the freedom that we have in Jesus, we end up conforming to the pattern of this world. We end up becoming like everyone else. We end up giving up our God-given uniqueness just so that we can be accepted and loved by people who should accept us as God created us. So he says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. See, God does not want you to become a conformist. God wants you to be transformed. And that, by the way, is crazy good. You can actually begin to live a life that will make people think you're out of your mind because you refuse to become less and you always choose to become more. I wanna ask you right now, are you an expression of what other people expect you to be? Or are you an expression of who God created you to become. Are you staying unique? Are you realizing that God 
did not make a mistake when he made you different. And the beauty of who you are, the wonder of who you are, it is not in those things where you're the same. It's in those things where you're different, where you're unique. It's what makes you uniquely human. I, I, I love the fact that, that even as we get older, we accentuate our flaws. I live in a city where, where no one wants to look older. No one wants to, to have wrinkles and no one wants to have defects. And, and, and so I live in a city where people begin to lose the ability to express their emotions because of all the, the, the cosmetic surgery that takes place in this city. And I'm just gonna be straight up. I like my wrinkles. I like my scars. I, I, I like the parts of me that make me unique because they are the, the, the expressions of my life and experience. I have a scar that cut open my head because I was playing basketball and I crashed head on into one of my own teammates. Uh, he, had, uh, he was going after the ball. I was going after the ball. And, and when we hit, he went out, he was knocked out cold and there was blood all over him. And I thought I just killed Pastor Joe Smith. And then I realized that even though he was unconscious, all the blood was coming from my head. And I could have gone and maybe had this sewn up differently and made sure I didn't have a scar, but, but I just think it's a, a part of my story. It's a part of who I am and it's a part of my uniqueness. Don't be afraid of the scars or the, or the marks or the defects. God has an amazing way of taking your brokenness and your failures and your pain and creating something beautiful out of you. Stay unique. But if you're gonna be crazy good, you, you need to not only stay unique, you need to stay optimistic. See, one of the things you find about people who live in fullness is that, that people who live in this fullness that Jesus calls us to, they, they refuse to conform to the expectations of others, but, but they also never give up on creating a better future. And so you need to not only stay unique, you need to stay optimistic. And I, I know it's difficult. I mean, here we, we've been facing the greatest global pandemic in our lifetime. We've, we, we've faced this, this, this COVID-19 virus and, and we, we've every single day been bombarded with the news of, of those who are um, being affected by the pandemic and those who have lost their lives and, and how hospitals have been overrun and cities are paralyzed and, and the global economy has come to a screeching halt and we, we're in a genuinely tragic and catastrophic moment. And here I'm gonna tell you to stay optimistic Yes, see, because when life is going well, I don't have to tell you to stay optimistic. If everything is working, if everything is going well, if life is, is easy, well, if you're pessimistic, that's really kind of on you. But you see, it's in these moments, in these moments where life is tough, in these moments where we feel overwhelmed by all the negative realities, in these moments when it feels that the world has been turned upside down, in these moments where we have to face obstacles and crises that we never imagined, these are the moments where staying optimistic is a strength that the world desperately needs. 
It's not about not being realistic and not seeing the reality of what's going on all around us. It's about never giving up on creating a better future. I mean, I'm looking around me and, and I'm in this empty auditorium because the people that, that I know and love and, and care about can't be here with me. I, I'm speaking to you in this moment. I'm, I'm speaking from Los Angeles to Singapore, speaking from Los Angeles to the, the world because we can't come together. I'm supposed to be with my friends in Singapore right now. I, I was supposed to be with my friends in New Zealand just a few weeks ago. I was supposed to be on my way to Kuala Lumpur and, and my whole life has been shut down. And it'd be so easy to be pessimistic. It would be so easy to be negative. It'd be so easy to focus on what is lost. Millions of people are losing their jobs. Millions of people are facing economic hardship that they never imagined. And so I don't, I don't wanna say this lightly. I, I, and I don't wanna say that as if it is easy. And if it were easy, I wouldn't have to tell you to stay optimistic. If it were easy, I wouldn't have to try to convince you that, that when you live in the fullness of Christ, a part of what defines you is that you never give up on creating a better future. In Philippians chapter four, verses four through eight, it says this, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious for anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Paul is giving us such a beautiful universe of, of words to, to understand how we're to be postured whenever we face crisis. So he wouldn't have to say, do not be anxious for anything if there wasn't something to be anxious about. He wouldn't have to tell us to rejoice always if he wasn't aware of the fact that life would be filled with moments that would overwhelm us with sorrow. No one has to tell us to be afraid. We just get afraid. No one has to tell us to feel despair. We just move to despair on our own. No one has to tell us to be filled with sorrow. We just move to sorrow so instinctively. No one has to tell us to give up. We just do that on our own. And, and yet, the things that make us the best version of ourselves are the very things we have to call each other to. We have to call each other to hope. We have to call each other to joy. We have to call each other to create a better world, to never give up, to always believe that we can be in this moment and rise above it. And so he tells us, that even in the moments where the world is in chaos, the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. And then he just 
admonishes us. He just calls us out and says, look, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things. He's telling us we need to have a mindset of optimism to believe that the future is gonna be better than the past. That whatever we're facing right now, we have the strength to rise above it. There's a fullness that comes when you're in relationship with Jesus. And in that fullness, you find your uniqueness and you find the internal resolve to stay unique, to be the person that God created you to be. But you also find the strength to stay optimistic, to never stop believing that you can create a better future. That even out of the rubble of a moment, you will find the material with which to build a new and better life. Even in our personal lives, many of us already know what it's like to face devastation in our lives. I, I can tell you from my own personal journey, both when I found out I had cancer and I had to face the reality of my own finiteness, the fragility of life. Or when I was in the business world and I found our company having lost millions and I had to recover from the devastation of, of massive betrayal and financial loss. We'll, we will all face those moments in our life where everything will seem so bleak and so dark and so grim. And, and, and if we just gather the information that is visible, we could easily conclude this is the end. I'm done. There's no point in even fighting for the future. And, and that's when you need to find the invisible material. See, when you cannot see a future in a hope, you need to realize that, that what you cannot see in the present is waiting for you in the future. That there is a God who is waiting for you, waiting for you to lean in and step up and become his creative agent for creating a better future. And in the same way, and there's this beautiful tension we are always supposed to be leaning into the future that needs to be created, but it doesn't mean that you're supposed to be disconnected from this present moment. Because one of the beautiful things about living in the fullness that Jesus calls us to and staying crazy and living in the, in the realm of the impossible is that we stay unique and, and we, 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 we um, we stay in that space where we're always creating. We stay optimistic, but, but we also stay, we stay present. And, and I think that's the tension sometimes, you see, because like I love dreaming about the future. I naturally live in the future. But have you ever daydreamed so much about the future that you missed the beauty of the moment? Or ha have you ever just spend so much of your life wishing you were at the next stage of your life or in the next uh, chapter of your life that you, you look back and you realize, oh, I missed that moment. I missed that chapter. I missed that phase. I can tell you that as you live your life, if you're 
too much in a hurry to get to the next place, you will look back with regret because you haven't, you never fully experienced the last place. And one of the things that, that Jesus teaches us is how to stay fully present in the moment and to see the beauty and wonder of life. I, I want to drink in the beauty of the world around me with every aspect of my senses. I, I want to be aware of the people in my life and I, I never want to take granted that the gifts I've been given in this moment, even in the midst of a crisis. When Kim asked me, honey, can you just imagine what it would be like if you didn't have me or the kids? And, and yes, I started daydreaming and talking and thinking about, oh, what would that be like? But it doesn't take me a couple of minutes to, to really step into the reality of that answer. I, I would never want this present moment without the gift of my wife, Kim. I would never want to live in this present moment without the gift of having my son, Aaron. I would never want to live in this moment without the gift of having my daughter, Mariah, and her husband, Jake. And there's something something profoundly beautiful even in the midst of a crisis to celebrate and give thanks for what you've been given. In Matthew chapter 6 verses 25 on down, Jesus said this, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink or about your body or what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or stow away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God closes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more close you? You of little faith. So do not worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Jesus is calling us to step back just for a moment and pause and hit the reset button and realize that God is here, that he's present. He has not forsaken us or forgotten us. That God loves meeting us where we are, caring for us, providing for us and when you're full of fear and 
You're overwhelmed by life. And maybe you're terrified by what tomorrow will bring. Jesus saying, you need to just stop and, and learn to trust me in this moment. Meet me in the today. You'll find me when you're present. I've had to teach myself this over the years, especially when I was younger. I really struggled with things like depression. When I was young, I, I at times I just felt overwhelmed by life. I was drowning in despair. And in fact, there are times I just couldn't even think of a good reason to be alive. I lived with this overwhelming fear that my life would never matter. That I would never find a reason to even exist. And, and what's amazing to me is what Jesus is saying is, I see you. And I know you. If you'll just see through my eyes, you'll begin to see the beauty all around you. Somewhere at a really young age, I made a decision that if I was going to change, if I was going to survive the darkness inside of me, I was going to need to train myself to see beauty. So I began to see the beautiful everywhere. I began to see beauty in nature and beauty in cities and beauty not only in art, but beauty in people. I, I, I began compulsively connected to beauty all around me. It was as if somehow my soul knew what Jesus was going to one day tell me through his words. Look at the birds and look at the flowers and look at creation and see how I've provided for them. Do I not care more about you? That fullness that Jesus wants to bring us into can only happen when we stay present. You take time to enjoy the simple pleasures of each and every moment. So I want to challenge you, whatever circumstance you're in right now, whatever crisis you may be facing in this moment, I, I want you to take on this discipline. I want you to stay unique, to discover who you are, who Jesus has created you to become. I, I want you to actually thank God for the difference in you and treasure that uniqueness and grow in your uniqueness. Stay unique, stay optimistic, but also stay present. I, I want you to discipline yourself, to take time to see all the beauty and wonder around you. This is what it means to live a life of worship. Worshiping isn't only about singing and declaring God's goodness in a song. Worship is absorbing the beauty and wonder 
of all God has done and celebrating that every moment of your life. And let the words of Jesus just fill you from the inside out. If that is how God closes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow thrown to the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about itself. So stay fully present, celebrate life, enjoy the moment, revel in the people in your life, revel in the beauty all around you. Find it within yourself to worship by being fully present and seeing your life in the world around you through the eyes of God. I know these past few weeks, few months are driving us stir crazy, but I would rather, uh, I'd rather become crazy good. I'd rather be so crazy that I stay unique and so crazy that I I stay optimistic and so crazy that I stay present. And when everyone else is saying, what do you have to celebrate? You say, oh, man, life is just crazy good. And if you could see it through my eyes, you would love this life just as much. Everyone at um, City Harvest, I want to tell you how much we love you and are praying for you. And I, I want to take a moment to pray for you as a church, for your pastors, for, for all of Singapore, and for this moment that we as a, a planet find ourselves in. Can we just take a moment and pray together? Father, I thank you so much for Pastors Kong Hee and Sung Ho. God, I pray that your strength and your peace and your grace would be on their lives. Give them wisdom and clarity as they move through this tumultuous season. And, and God, I pray that as difficult as 2020 was to start, that it may be as extraordinary as we move toward its finish. I pray God for City Harvest, that, that God, that beautiful things would happen in this community. They would just be stir crazy and that God, you would just make them crazy good, fill them with faith, and fullness, Father. God, we pray for, for Singapore, that, that God, that you would keep people well, that you would, God, give them good health, and that, and that Father, for those who find themselves sick in this time would, would have peace, God, that they would know that you're with them, that, that every person would know that you have not abandoned them, but you are the God of peace. You're the God who makes us whole, and you're the God who, who meets us not only in this life, but gives us the power to conquer death. Father, we pray that, that our planet, that, that all of us as humanity would come out of this crisis stronger than we've ever been. I pray, God, that you would restore what has been lost economically, that, God, you would restore what has been lost in the dreams of so many people. I pray, God, that you would restore health and well-being, and, God, that you would move in such a powerful way 
that even out of the tragedy of this pandemic, we would be able to celebrate the good that you've brought out of this most difficult and tragic moment. I thank you, Jesus, that you meet us in the reality of life, that you are here. We put our trust in you and we pray in your name, amen. City Harvest, God bless you guys. Pastors, thank you so much for inviting me to be part of this with you. God bless. We hope you've been blessed by the message. If you have a testimony to share, write to us at connect at chc.org.sg.